<laughs> well, good afternoon, everyone. Wow. This is such an honor and a privilege to be with you. And uh, Pastor Chuck, thank you for the invitation. I cannot guarantee this is going to help your grades. Uh, <laughs> but it couldn't hurt, right? <laughs> No, it, it's, it's really a, a pleasure and honor. You know, the, about six or seven years ago, we uh, started our very first uh, master's degree program at Life Pacific. Uh, our institution is about 95 years old, so that was a long time without a master's degree. And uh, we have had uh, so, many, uh, so many students come through that program from uh, literally uh, around the country and internationally. And so we, we're very proud to call you our student and uh, very much looking forward to shaking your hand and handing you a diploma on the uh, platform of Angelus Temple soon where we do our commencement services. So thanks again for the uh, honor to be here and for the chance to talk to you about what, I don't know, might be for some kind of a difficult uh, subject and that is uh, uh, dealing with uh, God uh, serving God in the midst of trouble. So I think uh, every one of us as believers have, has hit this road sign along the way. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't get the road sign, you just get the bad road <laughs> without any warning. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But uh, Jesus is there for us uh, right in the midst of trouble. And, and what my my hope uh, today is that uh, the Lord will speak to all of us in this room about uh, not only the fact that he kind of gets us through the time of trouble, but he actually does something in our lives uh, that uh, takes us on an upward trajectory of spiritual growth in the time of trouble. Have you ever found yourself here, the next slide, between the proverbial rock and the hard place? That is a very uncomfortable position. I don't get this guy. He looks like he's kind of having a good time with it. But for me, uh, that would not be a good time for me. But you come to a place in your life as a believer, and you are making a commitment move, as rock climbers call it. You're going to make the commitment to move from uh, place A to place B. And you find yourself caught in the middle in that moment, and sometimes... Fear can strike us in a very big way. And what do we do with that? How do we handle the call that God has put on our life? When I was a young Christian, uh, maybe some of you who've been believers for, a, how many of you have been a believer for a long time? I've been a believer for quite a while. And uh, do you remember when you first became a Christian, how you, did any of you ever sort of think like, oh, the Christian life, stuff is just going to get easier as I get older and someday all my problems will disappear because I keep serving Christ in his kingdom well while it's true that he gives us the tools to deal with being between the rock and a hard place the rocks and hard places keep on coming uh, they don't ever seem to slow down uh, uh, last year I had this great uh, opportunity to do some consulting with Life Bible College of Jamaica and so I flew to Jamaica, and the president of the Foursquare Church of Jamaica asked me 
if while I was there, I would do a little preaching, I said, yes, of, of course, I'd love to. And said, also, uh, once a year, we get the ministers in the community together for a, con we call it a convocation, but it's a group of ministers uh, in Kingston who come together and they, uh, uh, and they uh, pray together and then they have a time of worship together and then we have a speaker. Would you be the speaker? I said, well, uh, sure, I'd be honored. And what's the theme? Well, let's do something on leadership, she said. Jim, you know, you teach on leadership. You have a degree in leadership. Uh, you are a leader, so why don't you do something on leadership? And I, I said, sure, about, about how many uh, do you think will be there? She said, oh, how many ministers, she says? I said, yeah, oh, uh, maybe 25 or 30. So I said, perfect, I love small group. <laughs> small group uh, work. So uh, arrived in Jamaica, I'm doing my consulting with the church. I met with some government officials. And then uh, that night comes and we drive out to the edge of town, edge of the city of Kingston. And we go to this uh, uh, church facility and they take me in a room that's maybe one fourth the size of, of this sanctuary. And everybody is dressed to the nines. I mean, the Jamaicans know how to dress up for a church. They were really looking good. And uh, I walk in, and I am meeting Bishop so-and-so and Sister so-and-so. And I've never seen so many callers outside of the Vatican. And uh, the women clergy in, in Jamaica uh, are uh, very highly respected there as leaders. And... They were wearing these beautiful gowns with clerical collars, and including the president of the Foursquare Church. I'd never seen a Foursquare person in a collar, clerical collar. I thought that was kind of cool. And so I'm meeting and greeting, and I'm looking around the room. There's no PA system, which is fine. I used to be a camp director. I can use my camp director voice. Uh, there's no uh, podium. There's no, they're just an empty room with a little carpet on the ground. And then I'm about ready to ask, well, where do you want me to stand? And is somebody going to come in with a guitar? And uh, then two people in white uniforms, and I mean beautiful white uniforms. I mean, I thought I was on Fantasy Island with Mr. <laughs> Rourke and, and his assistant. And, and they uh, take me by the arm and they escort me across the parking lot. And so the doors open to the sanctuary of the church. Oh, we have another room we're going to meet in. And the doors open, and I look down the aisle, and there are thousands of people. <laughs> and there are cameras. It's being broadcast throughout the nation. <laughs> the deputy prime minister is going to speak before I am. And I'm learning all this as... The pastor is now walking me down the very, very long aisle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he says to me, the bishop of the church says to me, uh, Dr. Adams, we're very pleased to have you with us today. We have never had a non-Jamaican speak at the convocation in 40 years. You are the first. And depending on how well you do, he says, you may be the last. <laughs> I'm not making this up, folks. My heart is pounding. I get up there and I am thinking, this teaching I have is not appropriate for this audience. 
they brought all the, yes, it was 25 or 30 large churches who brought all their congregation with them. So anyway, this is a big deal, 40 year anniversary. So they have a 300 voice choir that gets up and starts singing. And I'm saying, thank you, Lord, because the choir is between me and the congregation. I've got my Bible and uh, my notes, which I now turn over to the blank side, and I started making new notes. I had 10 minutes to come up with something. So anyway, uh, uh, I, I spoke. There was a, a real move of the Holy Spirit, not because of me, but because I had to, I had to give up and just say, this isn't me. I'm, un, I'm completely unprepared. Uh, it's one thing to be unprepared on purpose, you know, this is being unprepared on accident, and uh, uh, God showed up in a great way and moved by his spirit, and they invited me back, by the way, so <laughs> I think that was a good thing. But I'm just saying, when you're called of God to whatever he calls you to do, and, and, in, and you know, he calls us to small things and big things and medium-sized things, but whatever he calls us to do, he stands there with us. And, and I felt like he stood with me in that platform. By the way, it was really funny because the uh, prime minister's uh, loyal opposition, as they call it in Jamaica, that person was there too and got into a big argument in the, in the pulpit before I spoke. Uh, something about highways in the city and, uh, and all that because the two, it was like having the Republicans and the Democrats together, you know, in a debate. And uh, they were polite, but they were like debating. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, you just made this actually worse than it was already. But it turned out beautifully because he was there. So uh, when, he, when he calls us and we respond to his call, uh, he doesn't leave us hanging. He helps us get from one side to the other every time. So let me share a little bit out, out of um, Colossians chapter 3 with you, starting with verse... 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, how many of you are God's chosen people? Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Uh, one of those barriers that was mentioned a little earlier, unforgiveness. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Bad times are coming. I guarantee it. If you live here on planet Earth for more than five minutes, you're going to have some tough times. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? When the challenges and difficulties of living life on planet Earth start getting you down and you start feeling painfully aware of your inadequacies, even as a believer, let, let yourself know, remind yourself that you have an anchor that keeps you solid and prevents you from drifting. And that when you find yourself in one of those tough spots in life, ready to move from A to B, that what the rock climbers call the commitment move, it's too late to go back. That God will hold you up because he called you and you are there for his purposes. And he won't let you down.
Now, you may feel like you've been let down by God because sometimes his timing doesn't work quite the way ours does. So this thing about the call of God, uh, I, I have heard a lot of preaching and teaching on the call of God, which is a good thing. I'm the president of a Christian college that really believes that every student who comes to us, whether they are 17 years old and just graduated from high school, or they're 65 years old and they're starting a new chapter in their life as a graduate student, and everyone in between, that God calls people so that he can fulfill his plans in and through us. Now, we're all in different places there, but I take very seriously the responsibility God has given me to work with students, staff, faculty, trustees, alumni, and friends of the college who care deeply about the progress that our students make in their calling. I think about this all the time, and I was actually kind of driven back in my thinking several years ago when I first came to the college, about four and a half years ago, I should say when I returned to the college. Uh, I had been there in the 70s as a student, in the 90s as the vice president, and I came back uh, four and a half years ago. And I started thinking a lot because the college was in some really uh, deep trouble at that time. And uh, they were uh, suffering a lot. And there was a threat that our accreditation would be lost. And there was a threat financially. And there was a threat with the morale of our staff and faculty. And uh, with all of that, I thought, listen, um, maybe I should reflect a little bit on how God got a hold of my life and consider that all these years, he's never let me fall off the cliff. So what uh, came to mind was what you see next on this screen, which might be a little surprise to you. <laughs> it's a little trailer, a beat up old trailer. So when I was in high school, uh, about 16 years old, uh, my dad decided to buy a trailer and it looked a lot like this. This isn't exactly the same one, but it looks exactly, almost exactly like this one. So he buys this trailer, and uh, my mom and dad decide that uh, they're going to change my life. Well, they didn't know that they were going to change my life for the good, but I had never felt so excited in my life as the day my dad said, we're going to go away maybe once or twice a month to the beach. We're going to go up to Faria State Park up in Ventura County, and uh, you're going to have the house to yourself. <laughs> and I went like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Every teenage boy's dream, the house to yourself. Now, I wasn't an evil, terrible kid, and I don't even know what it was that I was going to do by myself in the house, but just the idea was all it took. So this trailer would show up in front of our house, and then a truck would be attached to it, and my mom and dad would wave goodbye, and off they'd go, and the weekend was mine at the house. What a cool thing for a teenager to experience. So one day the trailer uh, pulls up, and it's a Friday after school, and my heart's kind of pounding. Yeah, off they go, the house is mine. And my mom says, Jimmy, could you take some groceries out to uh, the trailer? Your dad's out there. I said, sure. So like uh, the unwitting fly going to the spider web, I take the 
groceries out to the trailer, climb into the trailer, and there's my dad sitting at the little dinette table in the trailer. That caught my attention. My dad never sits around. My dad was always on the move, and especially getting ready to load that trailer up, I immediately sensed fear and danger. <laughs> and he says, Jimmy, sit down for a minute. My 16-year-old brain switched into mega mode, trying to think through every bad act I had performed over the last four weeks. I was trying to steal myself about what I was going to get jumped on by my dad. My dad was a tough uh, Brooklyn street kid. Grew up in the streets of New York and fought in the Second World War. Uh, he had a rather colorful way of expressing himself with language that um, we don't usually use in a room such as this. And so I didn't know what was going to come. So he says words like these to me, Jimmy, I sit down. He says, Jimmy, your mom and I have been talking. Oh, this is just getting worse by the moment. <laughs> so you're thinking about going to college. Yeah. So we just want to let you know, if you decide that you want to go to Bible college and become a minister, we'll help you do that. Well, it was quite startling for me for several reasons. Number one, my dad was not a Christian yet. Number two, I had no intention of becoming a pastor or going to Bible college. And number three, I'm just totally at a loss where this is all coming from. But you know that God can use the most unusual circumstances to call you and begin to plant a seed? And guess who's now been an ordained minister in the Foursquare Church for... 40 years. That would be me. And uh, my dad came to the Lord many years later. Praise God. Yeah, so I wasn't actually called to the ministry in that trailer, but it's where the seeds were planted. And uh, I had the, the uh, great, great uh, pleasure of baptizing my dad in water when he was 76 years old. His pastor called me. Louis Locke at Foursquare Church in Carson City. Your dad just got saved, he said. His, his doctor led him to the Lord in the examining room and uh, then discipled him. And he was getting baptized. So I went up and baptized him in water. And we're all Pentecostals in this room probably, so I can say this. Uh, so I put him under the water and he came out and he started speaking in another language that he'd never spoken before. Yeah. So thinking about the, more about the, 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 the divine Christ who walks with us or is even in those scary places with us wherever we go. Let me uh, read a bit more from Philippians chapter 2. I'll read verses 7 and 8. Uh, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other 
names. That's the name of Jesus, the name above all other names. So this remarkable Savior of ours, uh, you see he stepped through these deep and troubling waters of life himself. He walked the path before us. Uh, he voluntarily gave up his life for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And that was all a spiritual act. But part of that spiritual act was his deep understanding of our humanity and his ability to show up in our lives when we feel the most depressed, when we feel the most wounded, when we're facing the most difficult challenges in life. He understands what it is to feel those and to successfully become the resurrected Christ. He is the one who lives in us and never abandons us. And even when we come into the time of storm, and that's kind of a dark and brooding storm, and things don't look too good. There are places of shelter, and if you look just at the bottom of that picture, it's a little dark, but you'll see uh, these little places of light, little homes, businesses, little commercial area under there where you can run and hide and get away from the lightning storm, where you can be, find yourself safe from him. And in Isaiah chapter 4, these words, Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. See, this is the thing that is uh, demonstrated through the love of God in our hearts and our lives. There will be storms. There have been. There will be more. Maybe there's one that you're in the middle of even today, even this week. And they're frightening, the thunder, the, the lightning, uh, the dark clouds. And uh, in the midst of that, he has built places of shelter for us because we belong to him. We are the called. Amen. He loves us. Amen. He wants to work through us. And he sometimes shows up with these places of shelter at the most uh, unthought of times. I don't get it. Why can't God show up with the sign, the warning sign, like we saw on the first slide, and just say, get ready, trouble's coming. Trouble just seems to show up on its own. It could be in our relationships with a family member, parents, kids, brothers, sisters. It could be in relationships with coworkers. It can be in relationship with neighbors, friends, enemies, lack of relationship. It can be a financial hit that just descends upon you like a bolt out of the skies. It can be the loss of a job. It can be the loss of a sense of security. It can be a million things that the enemy will use to try to bring us down and try to communicate to us that we're not truly called at all, but we're lost. That we're desperate people with no hope. That we're just people out in the storm with no place to hide. 
But let me suggest that for those of you who've been believers a long time, you would know this to be true, that it's in those, in those moments of challenge and difficulty, in the hard times we face, that God shows up usually not in the way we expected, that God lifts us. He gets us through, but he, but he teaches us what it means to get across to the other side. So I'd like to kind of uh, wrap up with a, another story. By the way, I really apologize if some of you came here to hear the college president go deep into theology and he's talking about rocks and lightning storms and all this, blue trailers and beaches. But what I don't apologize for is having the opportunity to share my heart with you about the mighty God who changes and transforms us every day. I had a student in my office last week. She's a veteran. She was in, served in the Middle East with the Marine Corps. Uh, she's a worship leader. And uh, she came in the office. This is one tough gal who loves Jesus and is called and uh, a pastor sent me a very large check to present to her uh, to help her through the summer. And uh, as she was sitting in my office and we awarded her this check, I had no idea some of the things that she was facing in her life. I had no idea some of the pressure. And uh, some of that pressure was all about wondering how she was going to make it financially. You know, the VA pays your school bill, right? But they don't pay your living expenses through the summer. So she's uh, sitting in my office, and this tough Marine just starts to well up in tears, and she's speechless. And then I'm welling up in tears, and I'm speechless. She had no idea this was going to come. And it was so unexpected that it left her without words. It just left her without even the words to say. And I was so moved in my spirit and, uh, and this opportunity to be just the messenger from another pastor uh, of how her summer was going to be bridged over so she could come back to school. I mean, the Lord almost showed up in a physical way in my office at that moment. And he chooses lots of different ways, lots of different ways to show up in our lives. So this last story I wanted to tell you um, goes back to, I was about 13 years old, I think. I don't remember very much from when I was 13 years old, but I remember this, because this was kind of a life-changing, life-illustrating experience I had. I was in the Boy Scouts. I was on a backpacking trip one summer. It was a 60-mile silver knapsack trail up in the Sequoia National Park, National Forest, Kings National Forest area. And we were about halfway through this week-long hike. And uh, we, got to, uh, we got to this place where a bridge had washed out, a, a hiking bridge. And somebody had cut down a skinny old pine tree, and that tree was across this wash. So let me context, contextualize a little bit for you. What is the context? I'm with my friends in the scouts. I am the senior patrol leader, right? So I am the highest ranking 13-year-old in the world at that moment. 
So I'm a leader at 13. Way, way inappropriate for me at 13, but I am nonetheless. And uh, in my mind, I remember all my friends, I remember the scouts, I remember the situation, I remember what it looks like, and I've even found a picture that kind of looks like this bridge across the water. Thank you, Google, for that. I didn't have a camera with me at the time. And, um, and all of a sudden, before I know it, everybody's on the other side, except for me. <laughs> I'm on the wrong side, but I'm the leader, but I'm on the wrong side. Now, in my mind, after all these years, the adults have long since disappeared. I don't even know where they were when all this was going on. I just knew there were other kids across the other side who then began to wonder why I was not there with them. Now, uh, how many of you know that Adolescent boys are not the most warm and affirming people with their peers in the whole world. So I knew something was about ready to happen and it was going to be really bad. And I'm standing there and I'm looking down at the rushing water. I'm looking across the little bridge. I'm looking at my friends on the other side. And my heart is starting to pound with a sense of fear. And I remember these emotions were multitudinous because there was a fear of falling to my death. There was the fear of not being accepted by my friends, my peers. There was the fear of starving to death because after all, I had taken my back off, backpack off and thrown it to the other side when one of my friends suggested that would be a good idea. So there goes all my food for the rest of the week. It's on the wrong side now. So all these kinds of fears are going through my mind, and then finally some kid yells, Hey, Jimmy, he said, run across. And I'm like, no way, dude, I am not running across. And some other kid goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, you can do it. We know you can do it. Come on, come on, run across. And that made me feel only slightly better that at least I wasn't being, you know, made fun of. And then one really bright Boy Scout says, Jimmy, Jimmy, I know what you can do. He said, close your eyes and run across. <laughs> what a great idea, I thought. So I closed my eyes and I ran across. And I was on the other side. And somebody threw me in my backpack. Nobody said another word about it. There was no further embarrassment, and off we went. Jimmy, close your eyes and run across. It's exactly what God said to me when I came to Life Pacific College four and a half years ago. I was having a great time as an administrator at Azusa Pacific. Uh, I had traveled to 49 countries and uh, managed internationalization for the university. It was a dream job. Had my whole retirement all planned out. Azusa has a wonderful plan for how you can sort of slow down and go back to the faculty and work part-time and sort of just right off into the sunset. But God said, Jimmy, close your eyes and run across because your alma mater needs you. And so working with a team 
of incredible people, faculty, staff, administrators, and students, uh, we've seen great changes at the college. I'm so glad. Uh, if you have a chance to stop by and visit with our students, they'll tell you all about some of the things that are happening there. One thing that is leaking out like a sieve right now that in July 2019, Life Pacific College becomes Life Pacific University as we uh, grow and develop. So let me ask you this question. Are you needing to close your eyes and run across? <laughs> Are you in a place right now in your, in your life and, uh, or maybe a family member is facing this and God wants to bring you across to what he has promised for you. If you're all in with him, if you know Christ as your Savior, I can guarantee you that if you listen to his voice, and if it, he's the one telling you to close your eyes and run across, no matter what that situation is, he's not going to let you fall off the log. No way. He's not that kind of a God. But are you facing a painful situation? Is it a relationship gone bad? Is it the lack of a relationship? Is it distance between you and someone you love? Is there a financial challenge? Is there a health challenge where you need God to take you across to a place of healing in your body, in your emotions, in your heart? Do you feel uh, spiritually dry? Um, do you feel um, like you're being attacked and that you're just in a bad place right now? My invitation to you, no, the, the Lord's invitation to you is close your eyes and run across and let him bring you into a place of safety, of nourishment, of security, and of health as he takes you on in your life. No guarantees there won't be another one of those bridges down the, down the trail. There very likely will be, but he will stand with you with that. And some of us have even greater responsibilities because we're not just running across the little bridge ourselves, and it's not just with or without a backpack, but it's with family members on our back or people we love. It's a heavy load. It makes it even scarier to go across. But God is there with his arms out wide waiting for you. Would you pray with me? I'd just like to ask you to close your eyes, please. And we'll, we'll just give everyone in the room a moment of privacy as they listen to the Lord. Maybe the Holy Spirit is moving. I think the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst and he's talking to us, and speaking deep in our heart. It's reminding us that we are people who are called by God and that you are always a candidate for the call. You cannot be too young or too old for God to call you to sometimes a new place of service or ministry. And I just wonder if there's anyone, someone in the room here who you felt like maybe I was, I was speaking to you, but more importantly that God was speaking to you about needing to take a step of faith, make a commitment move to, without 
figuring it all out yourself, close your eyes and run across to what God has for you. And you know what? He wants to help you do that. And I'd like to just pray with you. So if you feel that you're perhaps that person who needs to run across the bridge spiritually, even though it's a little scary, but you know God is calling you across, and you'd like me to just pray with you, would you raise your hand and just look up at me so I can agree with you in prayer this morning? Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. 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 Yes, I agree with you. Yes, both of you. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. I see you back there. Yes. Lord, thank you for these men and women who have indicated by a raised hand their desire to come across uh, some rough waters. And Lord, I pray your peace on them. I pray that as this challenge has come to them in their life, whatever it might be, I pray not only peace, but strength and confidence and a sure knowledge that Christ our Savior is there. In fact, I even know in this moment, and I have this picture in my mind that as we run across to a new place, that God is before us and he's behind us. That God is to our left and to our right. That he is underneath us, holding us up, and he's above us, protecting us. In fact, we're kind of a mob scene running across right now because you are with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful, incredible touch of life and growth that you bring to us when we decide to use the tough time for your glory and for our personal growth in you. Thank you, Jesus, because it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.